Blog Talk Radio. Let's take a red book and let's all stand together. Let's turn to number one. Number one. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Just want to give God the glory. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, and, I, and most of all, I want to praise God for being my father. Amen. Because he's been a better father than any earthly father ever could be. Uh, prayer requests or, or anything you want to say this morning that you want to throw in, you're welcome to. So if you just want to talk about Father's Day for a second, you want to talk about your dad, or you got a prayer request, either one, you go right ahead. Yes. Anything you want to prayer request? Miss Charlotte, I see you've got your hand up. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Someone else, yes. Power in the blood, power in the blood, 
Would you are able a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's side. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be wider, much wider than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. You live daily, get praises to sing. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen, there he is. Praise God. Changed me. If you'd have known me back in the day, you'd have said, wow, there's no hope for him. But I'm going to tell you, God did a miraculous work in me, and I just want to praise him this morning. Amen. Number 68, he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Amen. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. At just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see his loving and though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blasts. The day of his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. 
lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing, eternal hallelujah. To Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Amen. Aren't you glad of that? Praise God. 124. 124. Are you washed in the blood? That's really what it all matters when it comes right down to it. Most important question anybody could ever ask you. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. 137. 
137. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the last one. That was the last one, wasn't it? I'm sorry. I'm looking at I was thinking we had one more. All right. <laughs> I got so excited about swinging. I didn't know when to stop. Amen. <laughs> Amen.
understood clearly before. I don't know if this is going to be a sermon, a teaching lesson. I really don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to find out. Amen. I don't ever worry about it too much. God's in control. What he wants to do, he's going to do. But I want to uh, I want to try to impart a little understanding to you this morning. Maybe some things you don't fully understand. Maybe some things you do, and we'll just refresh them. Acts chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11 this morning. If you want to put a title on it, it's Home to See His Father. Home to See His Father. I couldn't have, I couldn't have lined it up any better if I would tried. I'm going to tell you something. Father's Day and Jesus is going home to the Father. Amen? I couldn't make Mother's Day line up with woman behold thy son, but I got this one right. Amen? All right, let's read this morning. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. The Bible says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I love you. Thank you this morning for loving me. I thank you, Lord, for your salvation through the precious blood of your son, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that I have a home waiting on me someday in glory. I'm thankful that my Savior is there. I'm thankful that it was bought and paid for by his blood. I'm thankful, Lord, today to be your child. Lord, I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost of God, which you put in my spirit, brought my spirit to life. And Lord God, I pray you'd help us to have understanding this morning of some of the deeper things of God. Open our understanding, Lord, and I realize that the natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can he learn them or know them because they're spiritually discerned. So I pray this morning, Lord, those of us who are in this room who've been saved by thy grace, and those who are listening to us or will listen to us, at a later time, that have been saved by thy grace. Open our understanding to understand the things of the Spirit of God. Help us this morning to receive these great truths. And I pray, Father, for those who may be lost without Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. I pray, Lord, that today be, be, be the first day of the rest of their Christian life. And, Lord, I pray, Father, 
for their understanding of, of, the, of the knowledge of sin, the conviction of sin, and the realization of the debt that they owe before God, and that Jesus is the only way to have those sins paid for. Father, I pray you'd put your hand upon me even now. I pray, Lord, you'd, convince, you'd, 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 you'd cleanse me of any sin in my life. Lord, that you'd fill me completely. Lord, I yield myself to you. I ask you, take control of me. Speak through me. Use me. Lord, I pray for each and every one under the sound of my voice this morning that you do the same in them, that you make them spirit-filled listeners. Give them the ability to receive the truths of God this morning. And Lord, we want to thank you now. We want to give you praise even now, Lord, for what you're going to do this morning. And we'll give you the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts chapter 1. And when he had spoken these things. Now, we're going to, we're going to start right there. Now, I know you say, well, we already went through all that what he spoke, but we're going to go back because this is such an important and a crucial piece of scripture that I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to to not see something because it is essential if you're saved this morning, if you are a child of God this morning, it is essential that you understand these things because if you don't understand these things, you can't be all that God wants you to be as a believer. So let's look at it this morning. It says, and when he had spoken these things. Now, what things are those? Well, that's very simple. He's talking about what he had just said in verses 4 through 8. In verses 4 through 8. So let's look back there at verses 4 through 8 this morning at the things that Jesus had just spoken. The Bible said, in being assembled together with them, now, remember, let's, let's play, put ourselves in place. He was resurrected, okay? He appeared to his disciples, and then he told them that they should wait. They should go to Galilee and wait, and he showed up there. And then for the next 40 days, he taught them, okay? He, he taught them the deeper things of the kingdom of God. He taught them all about the kingdom of God. Now, those 40 days have come and gone, and now they're gathered there together on the Mount of Olives. So being assembled together with them there on the Mount of Olives, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now, that promise was referenced in John 16. We're going to look at that in just a minute. He said in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. To most Baptists that sounds, ooh, that's spooky sounding. It's not. I want to dispel the spookiness this morning about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, verse 6, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. We talked about that. That's referring to the second coming of Christ. The times or the seasons referring to the second coming of Christ. And he said, that's not for you to know. 
But notice verse 8. He said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So he said, the second coming is not for you to know. What worrying about that? So, but he's, he's named two different things here. In verse 5, he says, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 8, he says, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Okay? So there's two different things described in this verse of Scripture. Now, the question is, are they the same thing? Or are they two different things? All right? I mentioned in verse 5 where he said you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Okay? He, he had said the promise was coming. The promise of the Father is coming. John 16, verse 7 through 16. Let me read that to you. The promise of the Father, he's coming. What did he say in John 16, 7 through 16? Nevertheless, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It's expedient or it's good for you that I go away. Jesus said, it's a good thing if I leave. He said, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. Now, the Comforter is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. He is the one who is going to come. He said, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. In other words, I'm not going to be here working with you and him here working with you at the same time. If I don't go, he's not coming. Okay? But when he is, and when he is coming, and by the way, he said, if I go not away, he will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. That promise was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to get there on the day of Pentecost. That promise was fulfilled. Verse 8 in John 16, and when he has come, that's the Spirit of God, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteous and of righteousness and of judgment. He's going to do the convicting work. It's not the believer that does the convicting work. It is the Spirit of God that does the convicting work. We can read, we can preach, we can teach, we can plead, we can pray, but we can't convict and we can't draw. The Spirit of God has to do that. We need to be in close contact, and we need to have a good understanding of who the Holy Spirit of God is so that we're able to be effective witnesses and so that we're effectively able to function as believers in this world. He said of sin because they believe not on me. He's going to convict them because they're lost and they don't know that, that they're sinners. So he's going to show them that. He said of righteousness because I go to my Father and you send me no more. I'm not going to be here to be the righteousness of God before men. So the Spirit of God is going to convict them of righteousness. Instead of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. The devil is a liar. He's a dirty liar, and he's already been judged. He was judged on Calvary. It's a finish. It's an open and shut case. Amen? He is going to be condemned to hell. And listen to me. The Spirit of God is here to remind him of that. He said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He couldn't, he couldn't cover it all in 40 days. He tried to give it to them, and they couldn't receive it all in 40 days. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't an effective teacher. They weren't effective receivers. But he said, albeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, and he is, he's not only the spirit of God, he's the spirit of truth, that Christ is truth. He said, he will guide you into all truth. So yeah, there's a lot of, you say, I have a lot of things in this Bible I don't understand, preacher. That's okay. You've got a guide. He's your guide. He's your teacher. 
He's your helper. He'll take you gently by the hand, and he'll lead you through the Scripture, and he'll open your understanding, and he'll teach you what, the, what God's trying to say to you. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever things he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He's going, he's going to give us an understanding of what's coming, what's approaching. He shall glorify me, Jesus said. He's going, to, he's going to bring glory to Jesus, and he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. So the things that Jesus has taught, he'll take those things and break them down to us where we can understand them. Jesus said, a little while, and you shall not see me. He means I'm going up. And then he said, and again, a little while, and you shall see me because I go to my Father. Because I go to the Father, you're going to see me. That doesn't make sense. So you think about it. He's saying you'll see me because when I go, I'm sending the Comforter who will come and live in you, and he is my spirit. We've got to get our head around this. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Jesus said if you've, if you've seen me, what did he say? You've seen the Father. Okay. Well, when you see the Holy Ghost, who do you see? You see Christ. Amen? They are one and the same. They all work together. They all work. They're, all, they're three separate, but they're all one and the same. They work and they function perfectly. Now, again, we're going to separate these two things. We're going to, we're, we're going to look and see. What's the difference between baptism of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost coming upon you? Okay. So Jesus, in verse 5, Jesus makes a statement, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, again, if we were in a, if, if, if I was a charismatic preacher this morning and you were in some kind of a Pentecostal church, you probably hear this totally differently, but I just believe in preaching the Bible for what it says. Amen. I don't believe in getting wrapped up in my feelings. I don't believe in worrying about what somebody else thought they discovered. I want to know what the Bible says. And to go to the Bible to find out what God means when he says baptized with the Holy Ghost, all we got to do is turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to do that right now. I want you to see it in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. I'll give you just a moment to find that. It's going to be referring to the body of Christ, not his physical body that was nailed to a tree, but the body of Christ, meaning his church. We are, we make up the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13, the Bible said, For as the body is one and hath many members, and look, you look up here at this body this morning, I'm just one person, but I got an arm over here, and I got another arm over here, and I got a leg, and I got another leg, and I got an ear, and another ear, and an eye, and another eye, and I got, I got a brain, at least I think I do. My wife would question that sometimes, but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm all one person, even though I got a bunch of different parts to me. And Jesus, the body of Christ, is one body, even though it has many members. And all the members of that one body—that's me, and that's you—they're in here. They're saved, and everybody else in the world that's saved, whether we be Jews. Okay, I'm gonna skip ahead. Okay, the members of that body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. But get verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. That is the church, the body of Christ. 
We, the moment that you get saved, the Spirit of God baptizes you into the body of Christ. You, at that moment, become a part of the body of Christ, the church, amen? That has never changed. You can't, you can't undo that. He said, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. That sounds complicated. Let me let me explain to you. Y'all, y'all put a straw in a drink before, and y'all drink out of a straw. You suck the liquid up through the straw into the mouth. The Holy Spirit, when we get saved, he sucks us up into the body of Christ. That makes sense? We become, it's that moment, we're in the body of Christ. Hey, it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. Amen. So that's what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that you're gonna that you're gonna make a big show in front of the church, that you're gonna flop around like fish that somebody just caught laid on the bank. No. Does it mean you're gonna stand up and say, I should have bought a Honda but I bought a Kia? No. Well, let me slide down. I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia. Anyway, that's not tongues. That's just a statement that sounds like tongues. But anyway. That's not what this is saying. It's saying we have become a part of the physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ, his literal body, the body of believers, the church, when we are baptized by the Spirit of God. That happens immediately upon salvation. Now, in verse 8, he promises something else. He promises the filling of the Spirit to every witness. In verse 8, but ye shall receive power, he said. By the way, those of y'all who were... We went through exousius and dunamis. I'm going to say it again. That's dunamis. That's where where we get dynamite from. Again, I'm going to reiterate. God has already given us as the church the authority. We have been given the authority to go forth and preach and teach the gospel. But God here is giving the dunamis, the dynamite, the power. When the Spirit of God, listen, you and I can't do a thing without the Spirit of God. Jesus said, he said, for without me, you can do nothing. And he sent his spirit to us to indwell us. So at that moment, when a person gets saved, the spirit of God comes in to live. He places that person in the body of Christ. We're in Christ, and Christ is in us. Hallelujah. That right there, I mean, that'll make a Methodist shout right there. Amen. I'm in him, and he's in me. Praise God. Devil can't touch that. Whoo. Hallelujah. Promises that we're going to be filled. But ye shall receive power. I don't have power for me. I have to get it. You'll receive it. You know what? He gives it to you. You're going to, if you're going to throw me a baseball, I'm going to receive it, right? He's the one sending it. I'm the one catching it. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, that happened on the day of Pentecost, but I'm going to tell you something. That can happen today for you. That is not a one-time event. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what happens when you become overcome with the power of the Holy Ghost? Again, it's not flop around. It's not jibber-jabber in some unknown language. It's not start barking like a dog. It's not getting the holy giggles or what they call them. None of that is Bible. But I tell you what is Bible. Opening your mouth and saying, Jesus Christ saved my soul, and let me tell you what he did for me. 
I want to tell you how he how he came to this earth, born of a virgin's womb, never sinned one time, and he was crucified. He he had no sins of his own, but he was crucified for my sins. He was crucified for your sins. He paid my debt, and I believed on him. He was buried, and he rose from the grave, and he's alive forevermore, my friends. He saved my soul, and he'll save yours. God will put power in those words. God, when those words penetrate the ears of the hearer, the Holy Spirit penetrates the heart of the hearer. That's the power that he's referring to. It's not anything that you can come up with. You can't conjure it on your own. You can't, you can't say enough words to make it happen. It's something when you yield yourself to him. You see, we're talking about a fullness of the Spirit. Let me just say this as simple as I know how. When a person is filled with the Spirit of God, it is because, number one, they are obedient to God. I want to do your will, Lord. When you come to the realization that he bought you, he paid for you with his own blood, that you're the most expensive item that was ever bought in the history of the universe, that it cost the blood of God's own son to pay for you, you realize you do have some worth after all and that God surely would not waste that for no reason. He has a plan. He has a purpose, and he wants others to receive that blood. So he wants others to be saved. He wants others to be in heaven. And so then he empowers us to do the work of Christ. It's the Spirit of God that works within us. But when he does that, we don't get more of him. I got all the Spirit of God I was ever going to get when I got saved. And so did you. So what happens when the power of God comes upon us? Can I tell you how that happens? It happens when you or I purposefully yield our bodies or our lives to God and say, Lord, I, I've been doing this thing myself. I've been doing it my way. I've been trying to handle everything on my own and the way I thought it was supposed to be. And I've been trying to serve you the way I thought I should serve you. But I want to serve you the way you want me to. And, Lord, I just lay myself down here at your feet, and I, and I don't know what to do, but whatever it is, I'll do it. Wherever it is, I'll go. Whatever it is, I'll speak it. I want to be used of you. I want you to have control of me. And when we do that, that's called consecration. That means I'm giving myself to you, God. When a woman stands at an altar and she marries a, her, her husband, she is, she is giving herself to that man. She's saying, from now on, I'm yours. You may not like me in five years, but I'm yours. Amen? You may get sick of me, but I'm yours. Amen? I think God should have got sick of me a long time ago, but he hasn't because he loves me. Amen? The way a husband ought to love a wife. Amen? But when we surrender ourselves, we realize I'm his. I belong to him. I I want to please him. You know, wife wants to please her husband, right? She should. If she's, if she's a loving wife, she's the right kind of wife. She wants to please her husband. And her husband wants to, wants to please his wife. I mean, that's, that's what marriage is all about. And you know good and well, as a child of God, we're, we're to please our God. Amen. Everything he's ever done has been pleasing to us. We should, we should do the same. And we can't do it without his power and his strength. And so that's when the promise of God, this pouring out of the Spirit of God within us, it's when my hands... Stop doing what Brandon wants to do, and I yield him to God. God says, okay, I've got some things for those hands to do. And my feet stop going everywhere Brandon wants to go, and, I, and God says, you know, I've got some places I want those feet to go. And my mouth quits speaking all the things that Brandon wants to speak. 
God says, I've got some things I want you to say to some people. On and on and on. That's being filled with the Spirit of God. When God's in control, when you yield it to God, God will lead you and guide you and speak through you. Now, one other place in there that I've had some concern with is John twenty twenty two. That's where Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, and the Bible says he breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost. Now, this is not just a side note, but I want you to understand this. Acts, the book of Acts, is a transition book. It's transitioning from the time before Christ died on the cross to the time after Christ died on the cross, after his resurrection. You, you've, got, you've got Jews who... Who have, who have all their life known the temple and temple worship, and now on the other side of the cross, you've got the church beginning. So you've got things happening in there that are not going to be exactly the way they are today. I believe that Jesus, when he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, that was his apostles. But that church, and, I, and, I, and maybe you disagree with me, and you can disagree with me if you want to, and that's okay. But I don't believe the church started when he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. I believe he had followers. I believe they were disciples of the Lord, and I believe that he, they followed him. But Jesus said, he said to Peter, he said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He didn't say, I do build my church. He said, I will. Were they gathered together? Did Christ give instructions about the church prior to the church establishment? Absolutely. But when Jesus went away, he sent the Spirit of God who, when he came, he baptized all believers into the body of Christ when he came. The Holy Spirit of God is the administrator of the church. Christ is the head of the church, but the Holy Spirit of God is the administrator of the church during this church age. So I believe that on the day of of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit of God baptized all believers into the body of Christ, that was when the church officially began. But that doesn't mean they didn't meet beforehand, but they were followers. Now they're disciples. They're, 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 They're members of his body. Now, Let's move on quickly. I've got 15 minutes. We'll get to the rest of this. All right. Then he said, while they beheld. I hope you all got all that. And then we're moving on. While they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, I want you to wrap your head around that for just a second. That, that really happened. They're standing there. He's talking to them. And they're looking at him. And he just starts going up, 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 up. I mean, in a physical body. He lifted up off the earth and started up. And they're standing there watching. That's what happened. Just like, I don't know exactly, but I think it was pretty close. But it was a literal event. I want you to understand, it, was a, it wasn't figurative, it wasn't spiritual, it was a literal event. Just the same as the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was a literal event, just the same as the the tomb of Joseph was literally empty. Just the same as Jesus literally ate and drank in front of the disciples. They had literally touched him. They had handled his flesh. So now in his literal physical body, he has ascended to heaven to sit down at the right hand of the Father to be our intercessor. And he sits there today, listen to me, with visible physical wounds in his hands with physical, visible wounds in his feet, with a sword piercing in his side. I want you to think, too, when it said he was taken up. 
Think about how happy it must have been in heaven that day when Christ came home. Think about that. Untold numbers of angels longed to see him, and they wanted to see those wounds. They wanted to, the Bible says that, that that's things that angels, they look into, they don't understand, but they wanted to see it. They've never known sin, so they can't understand salvation by grace through faith. They never had to, to know those things. Don't you know Jesus was happy to be home? Amen. I know he had been happy to be home, to be gone from this old sin-sick world. He longed for that sweet fellowship that he had face-to-face with the Father in heaven. And I think part of the joy that was set before him, as mentioned in Hebrews 12, 2, was getting back to heaven, back to the glory in the presence of the Father. But you know that joy that was set before him won't be complete until all the saved are home with him. The Bible talks about that in Matthew eight eleven. It said, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Like I sang earlier, well, I didn't sing earlier, but what a day that'll be. I did sing that earlier, amen. What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. Amen. I quoted it, praise God. And it's going to be a day, amen, when we sit down, we sit down in the kingdom of heaven and sit at Jesus' feet. Oh, praise God, what a day that'll be. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. I just want to say this as a side note. It may break some of y'all's hearts. But angels are always male in the Bible. I hate to break y'all, bust y'all's bubble, some of y'all who make like a you know, little pretty female feminine angels and all that stuff. That's fairy stuff. That's not angels. That's a pagan idea of what an angel looks like. I hate to break you, bust your bubble, but angels are always male in the Bible. Always. Find me a female angel and I'll give you a thousand dollars. Put a challenge on you this morning. In the Bible. Put that on there. <laughs> you may haul somebody in here with some wings taped to their back for a thousand dollars. But there's no female angels, praise God, in the Bible. It's just not. God God made it that way. And the white apparel that they had on, that represents holiness, that represents purity. And what did these men say? They, they said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? Now, the Bible doesn't mention them being there before. So I want you to get this. All these, all these apostles, this pattern going. Get him out wide open, I'm sure. Watching him go up. You still see him? All that clouds about covering him. I can barely see his feet. I mean, they, they're looking up. And they said, Hey, you got one of these fellas. What are y'all doing? We all looking up in the sky for it. Now these people were not from the Mount of Olives. It was they stuck out like a sore thumb, you know. Here they standing here they standing in, in, in beaming white clothes. Standing there watching these guys looking up in the sky. Must have startled them a little bit. They weren't there before and all of a sudden now they're there. And they broke the ice with that question. Why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, when he went, I want you to understand that the ascension was gradual. It wasn't, it was gradual. They watched him go. It, it was visible. They saw it. 
It was bodily. He was in a physical body, and he was received with the clouds. Now, that's all significant because when he returns to this earth to establish his kingdom in the second in his second coming, he'll come with the same characteristics. It'll be gradual. The Bible says every eye shall see him. It'll be visible. It'll be in his body. He'll come in clouds. See, he'll come the same way he's seen him go. Now I want to give you some thoughts before we go to the house. Some things to consider along with his ascension when he went home to his father. Number one, he assumed his rightful position of honor. Hebrews 1.3 says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen. He came, he did it, and he sat down, praise God. That's where he belonged. Seated next to the Father. His work finished, praise God. Number two, he assumed his position as the Lord of creation. Ephesians 1, 22. I'm going to hurry because I ain't got much time. i got to hurry to finish this. Ephesians 1, 22. He assumed his position as Lord of creation. The Bible said, and he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Amen. The Lord's in charge of everything. He went right back to being in charge. Amen. Number three. He assumed his position as the head of the church. Colossians 1.8. Again, I said the Holy Spirit of God is the administrator, but Christ is the head. Amen? What does the Holy Spirit do? He does exactly what Christ tells him to do. He says exactly what Christ gives him to say. The Bible says that he is the head of the body and the church, who is the beginning, the, pre, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Amen. He's in charge. It's not our church. It's his church. Amen. We don't make the rules. He does. What did he do when he went home? He sent the Holy Spirit to his church. Acts 2.33. Therefore, being by the right hand of of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. That happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter said to him, this movement of God, he sent this. This is not us. We're not drunk. This is God who did this. Number four, he sent the Holy Spirit to his church. I just read that. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> Verse Number five, I'm sorry. He is preparing a place for his church. Not only did he send the Holy Spirit to his church, He's preparing a place for his church. We know it for uh, John 14, 2 and 3. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And, I, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. He's preparing a place for his church. But let me say number six, he's preparing his church. For that place. Ephesians five twenty five through twenty seven. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It said that he might sanctify, that means separate unto himself, sanctify and cleanse it, his church, 
with the washing of water by the word. You say, what does that mean? That means you need to get this book into your brain. You need to fill your mind with the word of God. And what will it do? It will wash your mind. It will brainwash you. Amen. I want to be brainwashed. Why? Because the world has put filth into my mind. The television puts filth into my mind. My cell phone puts filth into my mind. Billboards up down the highway puts filth into my mind. Internet, anywhere I look outside of this Bible, puts filth into my mind. And I need the Word of God daily to wash that garbage from my mind. Amen. Public school system will put filth in children's minds. TV will put filth in children's minds. Amen. I'm going on. But he wants to prepare, present and prepare to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. Amen. He's preparing his church for heaven. Preacher a long time ago said, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Amen. Somebody said, well... I ain't worried about heaven. I'll be. I, I, I'll think about that when I get there. If you're not prepared to be there, if you're not excited about going, you're gonna be miserable when you get there. Amen. I look forward to heaven. I look forward to worshiping my Lord. I look forward. I look forward to being in His presence forevermore. I don't dread that one bit. Amen. That to me is a whole lot better than than getting up with aches and pains every morning and having to go through life and all the disappointments of life every day and having to deal with the heartaches and heartbreaks and anguish of life, so much better to be in his glory forevermore. Number seven, he's a forerunner of all who believe. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty three. but every man in his own order, Christ the word, they are they that are Christ that is coming. Amen. He went back, we're going. Amen. Number eight, he receives genuine believers into glory. That's what he does. Acts seven fifty six talks about Stephen when he was stoned to death. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Stephen was headed home, and Jesus was standing up off the throne cheering for him. Amen. That's one of the, that, that gives me chills every time I think about it. Amen. Jesus stood up off the throne to cheer for Stephen because he was an obedient follower, and he was giving up his life to Christ. Acts 7, 50, 59, three verses later, the Bible said, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Amen. Catch me, Lord, I'm coming. Amen. Catch me, I'm coming, Jesus. Number nine, he serves as our high priest. Thank God for that. I need a high priest. Amen. You need a high priest. The Bible says in verse 15 of Hebrews 4, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We referenced that verse this morning, but praise God, he's there as our high priest. Amen. And because he has done all that he has done, because he has satisfied the Father, amen, the wrath of the Father was satisfied when it was placed upon his son, and my debt is paid. And as far as I'm concerned, God looks down and he sees Christ when he sees me. He sees Christ when he sees you. Therefore, we're able to walk right in the door and walk right to the throne and say, Father, I need this. I need it. Jesus paid it all. I need it. Amen. 
Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's there on our behalf. Why did he go back to heaven? There's a lot of reasons, but he went back to be there on our behalf. Now I'll finish with this last thought. He is our advocate. Our advocate. An advocate is a defense attorney. He's someone who stands up for you on your behalf. When children have, have gone through some kind of a molestation or something, there's an there's a, there's a outfit called the Children's Advocacy Center over in Paris that will go to court on their behalf so a child doesn't have to sit on the stand and tell the harrowing, the harrowing things that happened to them and, and, and try to put it into words where adults can hear. No, this advocate goes and sits on the stand and recounts it to the, to the, the courtroom so that that child does not have to do that. Or a defense attorney. And I'm going to tell you something. My Savior is my defense attorney. He defends me when I've been accused. And the Bible tells me in Revelation 12 that there is an accuser of the brethren that accuses us night and day before the throne of God. But every time he brings something up against you or I, let me tell you something. My Savior who sits to the right hand of the Father presents the the nail-scarred hands. I paid for that. I suffered for that. Satan shot down every time. Praise God. He went back to the Father, but he went back to me and you. Amen? Oh, don't think Christ is is on vacation. No. Christ is working on our behalf, even now, seated in the heavenlies. Ephesians 4, 8, I'm going to end with this. Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Amen? He has given us the Spirit of God, His Spirit. Don't think that that's, that, that, that when I talk about the Spirit of God, that, we, that Jesus is done and now we have, no, that is the Spirit of Christ. We shouldn't be afraid of the Holy Ghost of God. We ought to welcome everything about the Holy Ghost of God because we're welcoming the Spirit of Jesus Christ in our life. And without Him, we can truly do nothing. Let's stand together.